Our episodes contain graphic information that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Would you like some murder with your coffee? I'm Amanda. And I'm Brenna. We're just three gals that like to sit around and drink coffee while talking about true crime. True crime. True and crime. Murder. And murder. Murder. Meldale. And, uh, and awesome survivors. Yes. We awesome do love survivors. a good survivor story. We do love a good survivor story. I actually kind of thought about you because there are some survivors. Um, oh, yeah. thank goodness. <laughs> I'm glad people lived. There are some survivors. Well. There are. So anyways, I'm not going to give too much away right this very second. Uh, also, just another quick shout out. Thank you, everyone, who's been checking out our podcast and listening to us. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm happy to spend every Monday morning with you guys. Yes. Yeah. Every, around the breakfast nook. Around the breakfast <laughs> nook. So, ladies and listeners, we're going to take a trip back to Utah for this one. This is another one my dad has brought up to me a few times, and I thought I should finally share it with all of you. And I wrote this in here. Amanda, this one does have some survivors in it. So I thought you'd enjoy that. Aww. Um, so in Ogden, Utah, in 1974, a horrific event took place. Have any of you heard of the Hi-Fi Murders? <laughs> Like, yes, but I don't remember, like, you're going to start telling it and I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I remember that name. I know that name, but I'm oversaturated, so I can't remember a detail. Does it have to do with the highlights, com- like, magazines that would be in the waiting rooms of <laughs> doctor's offices? It does, oh, it does not. There isn't a scandal with those? I mean, there might be. Can I'm we make, sure can we make one? Make scandal? <laughs> Is highlights even still a thing? Is it? I mean, I haven't been to a pediatrician's office in a while. No, Uh, you haven't. No, (laughs) you haven't lived. I can't imagine why. (laughs) You're right. Oh dear. Oh dear. All right. Well, these are known as the Hi-Fi Murders or the Hi-Fi Killers because it all took place at the Hi-Fi Shop, which was an electronic store in Ogden, Utah. Mm. Okay. Okay. Things are starting to come back to Amanda. (laughs) So let's travel back. This involves robbery, rape, extreme violence, and murder. A little about the players before we get into the gory details. Yeah, I mean, give me the give me the playbill. I like to Here's read through my program before I start <laughs> yeah, the show. Before the play starts. So we have uh, Daryl Shelby Pierre, who was born on January twenty first, nineteen fifty three. He was twenty one at the time of the crime. He was from Trinidad and Tobago and moved to the United States when he was eighteen years old. He was known for being in trouble with the law his whole life. Uh, he reportedly had a bad temper and did not like it when things did not go his way. So maybe that's why he decided to join the Air Force um, in an attempt to turn his life around. Unfortunately, it did not. And aside from these murders, he's also a suspect in an unsolved murder of Sergeant Edward Jefferson on October 5th, 1973, who was found murdered in his apartment. And he was a sergeant on Hill Air Force Base, which is where all these men were stationed. So Pierre was also a bit of a car thief and was out on bail for stealing a car from Salt Lake City car dealer at the time of the Hi-Fi murders. Mm. We also have... William Andrews, who was 20 at the time of the crime. He was born in 1955 from Louisiana. He was at the same Air Force base as Pierre, as well as Keith Leon Roberts, who was 19 at the time, born January 5th, 1954, and is in the United States. 
Now, these murders are pretty horrific, like I mentioned earlier, and the aftermath of the murders also triggered some terrible topics and events that took place in Utah. So without further ado, check your coffee levels and let's get into this. On April 22nd, 1974, things started out pretty normal. It wasn't until the closing hours of the hi-fi shop that things would take a turn for the worst. Now, several men entered the store and changed the lives of every person that was still in that store or about to enter the store. It was said that there may have actually been six men, but there was only enough evidence to convict these three men that I mentioned that were enlisted in the U.S. Air Force. So, there very well could be three other dudes that are involved and were never caught. Which is <laughs> pretty terrifying to think about. Oh, Alright, just three other dudes. Three other dudes just hanging out. Just around. Just like this. Oh, three dudes. dudes. Yeah, we're brothers. <laughs> we're also brothers. We're also brothers. Uh, so, the men entered the store with handguns, while two men, one being Roberts, stayed in the car. When they entered the store, there were two clerks working. Stanley Walker, who was 20, and Michelle Ainsley, who was 18. They were taken hostage and forced into the store's basement by Pierre and Andrews. The rest of the group began to rob the store. During this, Courtney Nesbitt, a 16-year-old boy, entered the store to thank the clerks for letting him park his car in the parking lot while he ran errands. How awful. Just, like, walking in to say thank you, and you just walk into this horrific, horrible situation. Mm. So Courtney was taken hostage and tied up with the others in the basement. A little bit after that, Oren Walker walks in. That's Stanley Walker's 43-year-old dad. He was starting to get worried about his son, so he went over to check on him. Then, Carol Peterson Nesbitt walked in. She was worried about her son, Courtney, not coming home. They were both taken hostage and thrown into the basement with the others. So now we have a total of five hostage victims. No one has been able to inform the police, and most were tied up in the basement and left to the mercy of their captors. So at this point, with everyone now in the basement, in one article it said Pierre told Andrews to go get the brown paper bag from the car, and in that bag was a bottle of Drano drain cleaner. In an interview, however, Pierre did say that he had seen the Drano in the bathroom, and that's where it came from. Either way, now Drano is involved. So Pierre uh began to pour cups of Drano for each of the hostages. No! Yep. He told Oren Walker to hand them out to everyone. And he, of course, refused. Refused, refused, refused. And so he was bound, gagged, and forced face down onto the floor. Pierre and Andrews then began to pull the hostages into an upright seated position and force them to drink the Drano. But they have no weapons on them? Though all the, they had handguns. They absolutely have handguns on them. Mm. Um, ah, they're sick. Okay. Yeah. They're, gotcha. Uh, just wait. Oh, God. Just wait. So they told them that it was vodka with sleeping pills. So the hostages didn't realize it was Drano. They were being told it was vodka with sleeping pills. In an interview, Andrew stated that he did not know that Drano could kill them. Um, it was only until shortly after he realized what the intended outcome was. As soon as the victims ingested Drano... They began to form blisters on their lips, and it burned their tongues and their throats, and it literally, literally peeled the skin off from around their mouths. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you don't, don't drink Drano. Don't drink Drano. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Don't drink Drano. Um, so... Michelle Ainsley. Drano. 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 No. No, Drano. Drano, she Drain, didn't. Drano, no This is This is a blooper. <laughs> yeah. Are we in the Matrix? Yeah. Oh, Did we no, go back in time? We we are are Did you guys know that we have bloopers? If you haven't figured it out oh, by yeah. now, 
Listen till the end, all the way to the end. Yes, all the way to the end. After the exit music, I've started adding bloopers to our episodes, so please check those out. Back to the horrible details. All right, so, so back to horrible details. <laughs> Michelle Ainsley was begging for her life before they forced Strano down her throat. Later, Oren said that she coughed less than the others. Oren actually observed the others' reactions and let the poison drip down his face and faked drinking it. He began to fake convulsions and even ended up faking death to survive. Cool. Yeah. Pierre and Andrews duct-taped everyone's mouth shut to silence the screams of pain and agony. Then, and this is gross, uh, the oozing blisters were so bad the duct tape would not stick yeah. to their faces. Right, because yeah. it's wet. Because yeah. it's wet and oozing and burning and gross. Dumbasses. <sighs> uh, in court, Pierre said, um, I remember... And Pierre's the bad guy, remember? In court, Pierre said, I remember the noise they were making. The sound of pain, really. Yes, Pierre. The sound of pain. Because it's no shit, burning their Pierre. Faces. Yeah. Uh, He's a freaking poet. Yeah. All right. So Pierre, true to his supposed reputation, got upset that things were not going his way and, in fact, taking too long. So he began to switch gears. He shot Carol in the back of her head and then shot Courtney, her son, in the back of the head as well. In court, he said, I just continued shooting. I figured I had shot Nesbitt. Carol. So I just started shooting everybody else. Yeah, you could have saved yourself a lot of Drano by just <laughs> Drano. starting that to begin with. Yeah, unless just shooting them. Your intention was to watch somebody die first. Oh, there which... is a reason for the Drano, which oh. we'll get to. Mm. Uh, so the shot later killed Carol, but left Courtney alive. Uh, Pierre tried to shoot Oren, but missed. He shot and killed Stanley, and then tried to shoot Oren again. That time, it just grazed the back of Oren's head. Michelle Ainsley was still alive at this point. And, oh, this is a trigger, trigger warning here, because it's just awful. Um, so Pierre grabbed her and took her to the corner of the basement with his gun. He told Andrews to leave for 30 minutes. And then he forced Ainsley at Point Blake to remove her clothes. And then he repeatedly raped her. After her, she drank Drano. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, he allowed her to use the bathroom after as he watched and then dragged her, still naked, back to the other hostages. He threw her on the ground and shot her in the back of the head, killing her instantly. No. Her last words were, I'm too young to die. <gasps> I know. How old is she? She was... She was a teenager. 18. 18. She was 18. Yeah, she was a teenager. Um, so, at this point, Andrews and Pierre noticed that Oren was still kicking. So they grabbed a wire, wrapped it around his throat, and tried to strangle him to death. When that failed, a ballpoint pen was placed in Oren's ear mm. and Pierre stomped on it until he thought it went through to his eardrum. It broke and the pen exited through Oren's throat. <laughs> that's fucking dope. That's, that's really creative. Up. Holy shit, that's fucking super dope. Holy uh, shit. Uh, what a weird, uh, this guy's uh, reminder, Oren lives. Amanda, just to yeah. remind you, Oren but does. At it. what cost? <laughs> yeah. cost? Jesus Christ. How creative this person. Okay, what an idiot. Mm -hmm. it's like stupid ass. So, Andrews and Pierre proceeded to head back upstairs, finished robbing the place, got in the van with the others, and left. Now, before we get into the aftermath of the murders, I want to take a moment and address all the victims. So, again, there were a total of five, with only two surviving. So there was Sherry Michelle Ainsley, who was born January 24th, 1956, only 18 years old. Mm. She had only started working at the hi-fi shop a week prior. Mm. 
and she had just gotten engaged and was planning a wedding for August 5th, 1974. Mm. Uh. Then there was Byron Courtney Nesbitt, who was born on September 25th, 1957, and was only 16 years old at the time. He was a student at Ogden High School, and he is one of the survivors. He suffered major injuries, and while in the hospital, they weren't sure if he was going to make it. He suffered from amnesia and was not able to testify in court. And a year after the incident, he was finally able to go back to school and graduate. He did suffer from brain damage and from his head wound, from being shot in the back of the head. So he had to drop out of college. Um, He did end up getting married to Catherine Hunter, um, which was lovely. And um, unfortunately, though, he suffered from chronic pain until his death on June 4th, 2002, at the age of 44. Mm. Then we have Carol Elaine Peterson Nesbitt, born December 25th, 1921. She was 52 at the time, and she was Courtney's mother, and she died in the hospital after being shot in the back of the head. And then Orrin William Walker, born September 17th, 1930, was 43 at the time. He was the father of Stanley Walker. He survived and was able to testify about the attack in court. Uh, He later died on February 13th, 2000. And then we have Stanley Orrin Walker, born March 19th, 1954. He was 20 years old when he was shot, and he had been working at the hi-fi shop for a little while before the incident. So Courtney was in the hospital in a coma for a while before he woke up. Uh, He would ask about his mom a lot, and even after he was told of her death, he would seem confused and still ask about her because of the amnesia. Um, In the video, Pierre Dale Dale Shelby Execution 1987 news report, which is linked, um, about four minutes in, you can see the nurse who helped care for Courtney, and Courtney also talks, and his wife is also present. It's kind of really neat to to see that um, talk in that video. So I encourage you checking it out, clicking it in the show notes. Okay, my friends, let's top off our coffees and get into the arrests and convictions. It took almost three hours for anyone to discover the bodies at the hi-fi shop. It was after hours, and no one had been able to reach out for help. They were all left dead or dying in the basement. And it wasn't until Oren's wife, Stanley's mom, and their other son got worried and went to the store to check on what was going on. When they arrived, the other son heard noises and began to break down the back door. Mrs. Walker called the police while he did that, and they discovered Stanley and Michelle already dead, Carol and Courtney dying, and Oren severely injured. Carol and Courtney were rushed to the hospital, and Carol was dead upon arrival, and then Courtney took roughly 266 days to recover and finally be released. Mm. Oren had terrible burns around his mouth and chin and extensive damage to his ear and throat from the pen. Within hours of the story becoming public, an unnamed Air Force employee called the police. They left an anonymous tip that his friend Andrews had confided in him. He said, uh, he said Andrews had stated, one of these days I'm going to rob that hi-fi shop and if anybody gets in the way, I'm going to kill him. What the fuck? <laughs> now in a news clip, it, is, it was said that the unnamed Air Force employee overheard two men, Pierre and Andrews, talking about the robbery and uh, robbing a place after watching a movie. And the movie was from the Dirty Harry series called Magnum Force. Uh, the officer mentioned uh, Roberts and Pierre. So... I'm not sure which one is the true story, but either way, an unnamed uh, unnamed Air Force uh, person called and let the police know something's going on. So that triggered them to go check out what's going on. Also, two teenagers went to the police after they came across the victims' wallets and purses when they were dumpster diving near the base that Pierre and Andrews were stationed. 
dumpster diving, the age-old pastime of teens in 1970s. Yeah, you know, <laughs> 70s, baby. 70s, mm. baby. I mean, now we've got popular thrift shops to do all that for us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, we are all fans of theater and dramatic gestures, yes? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, this next part is just that. So, after the teens went to the police... They went and investigated. The police showed up, and the two lead detectives had a brilliant idea. So, naturally, a crowd from the Air Force Base had gathered as the investigation into the dumpster took place. Mm-hmm. The detectives believed that the people responsible would be in the crowd. Of course. Right. Yeah. Super See, they're, they're, common. They are super big idiots, so yeah, <laughs> of course yeah. they would. Yeah, it's super common for a murderer to show up to, like, a press conference or a crime scene or anything, right? To be like, yep. ooh, what's going on? Be in the search party. All that fun stuff. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You know, there are different reasons behind it, but it is super common. Yeah, I mean, go. Kemper, for example, Kemper literally became friends with the police during his murder spree. Yeah. He would openly talk about it. He would hang out at that bar <laughs> with cops, and that's how he's like, this is how I know how to talk to cops. It's yeah. cool. It's yeah, cool. he tried. Well, we'll do we'll do a whole. Yeah, Kemper's yeah. coming. There's so yeah. much ego involved in that where it's like, I get to also see the results of the thing that I did. <laughs> exactly. I'm so clever. Like, mm. all right. <laughs> all right, you. Cool. Stupid ass. Yep. So the detectives put on a show for the crowd. They pulled out pieces of evidence with tongs and waved them around. They began speaking dramatically about the pieces and the horrible crime. And as they did this, they watched to see how the crowd reacted. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Everyone stood in shock, staring in silence. Except two men. <laughs> Andrews and Pierre could not stand still. They were giggling and high-fiving. High-five. 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 Like, we did it. Uh, we did this. Well, they began pacing, moving their hands around. They spoke rather loudly. Um, and it should be said, too, that like the Tonys, these two detectives were given an award for their quick thinking and dramatics from the Utah branch of the Justice Department. <laughs> Good on you, detectives. Good on you. So, based on the reactions to the evidence display and the unnamed officers' call to the police, Andrews, Pierre, and Roberts were all arrested. They were also, there was also a search warrant issued to go through their belongings on the base. And there the police found flyers from the hi-fi shop and a contract for a storage location. They got another warrant and searched that storage unit. And what did they find inside? All the equipment from the hi-fi shop. And using those serial numbers, we're able to identify them as the stolen pieces. I was just about to say, like, when you steal stuff like that... They just follow the serial numbers that were on mm-hmm. book, and then so if you would have tried to pawn it, they would have eventually... Idiots. Yeah, what are you going to do with it? Fucking mm-hmm. stupid jackass idiot buttholes. Idiot buttholes. <laughs> Again, they also found a half-full bottle of Drano. Oh my god, they kept all the shit. They kept oh. all the shit. They kept all the shit. So, Andrews and Pierre were charged with first-degree murder and aggravated robbery. And Roberts was charged with armed robbery since he was waiting in the car during the incident. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine just being like, okay, cool, we're going to rob a place, I'll drive you there. And then they get back in the car after being there for so long, and you're like, so how'd it go? <laughs> and then they're just like, just drive. You know, he's probably like, or they tell him, and he's like, you guys are fucked up. Like, <laughs> could you, like, what was that? What are they listening to in the car? Yeah. What are you listening to? Oh, that? yeah, what are you listening to in the uh, car? Uh, Enya. Enya. <laughs> Telling you, I think it's the CCR, uh, CCR, yeah, Revival. I was like, I went, I went yeah. into, like, a uh, concealed carry permit. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> no. Wait a minute. CC. C- all the CC. Hmm. Yeah. 
So, the trial started on October 15th, 1974 in Farmington. It lasted until November 16th, 1974, and Andrews and Pierre were convicted of three accounts of first-degree murder and two accounts of aggravated robbery. Within four days, Andrews and Pierre were given the death sentence. It is Utah, after all. Good. Pierre changed his name 27 times while in prison to protect his family name, finally settling on Pierre Dale Shelby, which is just transposing his first, middle, and last names. After all this, or after all his appeals had been exhausted, um, he was put to death by lethal injection on August 28, 1987. He was 34 at the time of his death, and he requested that his $29 be given to Andrews, who was still awaiting his death penalty. Aww. Yeah. It is reported that Pierre stated, to no one in particular, that he'll be glad when this is all over. He did also express remorse. Um, now, Andrews was a bit more complicated. So Andrews did not actually kill anyone. He was only an accomplice. He did not directly kill any person. Um, he did admit to forcing them to drink the Drano, but the Drano didn't actually kill anyone. It was, you know, shooting them mm. in the head that killed them. Um, it only left them brutally burned and tortured. He was still given three death sentences on November 20th, 1974, and after 18 years of unanswered appeals, Andrew was put to death by lethal injection on July 30th, 1992. He was 37 years old, and his final words were, Thank those who tried so hard to keep me alive. I hope they continue to fight for equal justice after I am gone. Tell my family goodbye and that I love them. And now Roberts was only convicted of two accounts of aggravated robbery, and he received five years to life and claimed that he had no role or knowledge of the murders. Roberts was imprisoned for 13 years and was paroled in 1987, and he later died in Oklahoma on August 8, 1992, and it's reported that he began working for an electronic shop after he moved to Oklahoma. Oh, the irony. I know. Pay it forward. Pay it forward. Now I'm going to work in electronic. Yeah. But wait, there's more. Ooh. So this story appeared on a TV show called Cap uh, Copycat Killers. <laughs> Say the name right, Nicole. TV show called Copycat Killers uh, because the crime was inspired by the Dirty Harry series. Specifically, the part about Drano was inspired by a scene in one of the sequels, Magnum Force. Uh, there's like a scene where the pimp, it's like a pimp and a, I haven't seen the movie, but I watched the scene. It's like a pimp and a prostitute and she like is, you know, not giving him all the money and they're in a taxi and he's like, you got to give me this money, like finds all her secret spots where she's hiding it. And she's like, I was going to give it to you, I promise. And he's like, no, you weren't, I know you, I know you real well. And then the taxi driver like leaves, <laughs> he like gets out of the car and runs away. And then the guy takes out Drano and shoves it down her throat and she dies in the taxi from Drano. But she doesn't convulse or anything. It's not an appropriate, it's not an accurate death, but she does die. Um, but Copycat Killers is a show where they talk about real criminals who use movies or television to inspire their crimes. Oh. Uh, yeah, I have since added it to my watch list. It is on Amazon Prime. Oh. Yes. Uh, so the, this information came out during the trial, and though Andrews stood by the fact that he did not know the Drano would, you know, possibly kill anyone. Fun fact, this got me really excited, because I'm a weirdo. The, they were in the Utah State Prison on death row. And said to be quite hated, uh, but it said that good old Gary Gilmore. <laughs> Gary I was Gilmore. just thinking about last words. Yes. I was like, if you say his last words, words were just, just do it. it. I swear to God. So Gary Gilmore walked past them on his way to the firing squad and said, I'll see you in hell, Pierre and Andrews. Yeah. Hey, but he will. He will. How cute. He knew. Well, the also, they got the firing. Wait, 
They, no, they got they lethal got, injection. They That's got lethal injection. Oh, I he thought got I heard firing this. squad. Oh. They didn't oh, actually he was die going for to, much longer. Yeah, but they oh, were all he in, was going in, to the firing squad. Yes. That was the last thing. Gary Gilmore said That's to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, another a news mm. report says that he said, Adios, Pierre and Andrews. I'll be seeing you directly. So it's one of those. No matter which one is true, okay. the fact that these two cases overlapped was pretty neat to me. Yeah. Um, the same assistant attorney general, Earl Darius, was involved in both execution cases as well. So that was pretty fun for me to be like, hey, because in that same uh, video where uh, uh, you get to see Courtney talk, uh, Earl talks in there too, and he mentions that he also was involved with Gary Gilmore. And I'm like, ah, this guy, <laughs> this guy. But yeah, dude. so like Gary Gilmore at that time, there were only the two options of firing squad or hanging, and then Pierre and Andrews weren't executed for years later, and that's when they reintroduced lethal injection. Got it. Okay, so now, this did spark a lot of issues in Ogden, Utah. The NAACP and the Amnesty Amnesty International got involved. They demanded that Pierre and Andrews' death sentences should be revoked, that they were based on racial bias at the trial. They brought up that both defendants were black and all the victims and the jury were white. The only black member in the jury pool was dismissed without a chance to challenge that call by the prosecution during jury selection. Later, it was said that that person was possibly a police officer that knew everyone involved, but I couldn't find an actual fact on that. Mm. Um, But this entire string of racist events divided the town. Um, There was a great amount of fear that the death penalty would simply become an answer to most crimes committed. And it's important to mention, too, that the majority of people on death row are uh, people of color. Um, And Andrews did not actually kill anyone, and he was put to death. Mm-hmm. And after Pierre's execution, a petition for a stay of execution was created for Andrews. It was submitted to the Inter-American Commission's Commission on Human Rights. They talked about the racial comments among jurors. There were even notes found that the jurors had written out with racial slurs on them. But despite that, the execution still went on. Not in Utah. Not in Utah, would. And in 1996, about four years after Andrews was executed... The Inter-American Commission declared that the United States had violated its in- international obligations by denying Andrews a, f- a trial free from racial discrimination. But, like, cool, guys. He's already dead. Like, you took four years to figure that out? How come it took so long? It probably it took that long because think how long it took for us to start looking into the murders of, like, you know, anybody. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, the the... The legal system is so frustrating because, like, how long were these serial killers out and about before finally somebody said something or did something? Like, Mm -hmm. like they just didn't, and just with the racial justice in the country, like, there was just no way. They were just going to be like, well, you were there, so. And on one hand, you're like, you didn't do anything to stop anything. And you were a part of the crime. And on the other hand, you don't deserve to die. You know, eye, eye, eye for an eye, like, makes the world blind. Like, you yeah. deserve to rot in prison because you let these people drink Drano and die, like, and yeah. get murdered and tortured. But you didn't kill anybody, technically. So, yeah, I get that. I, I get the technicality, but also, like, you committed the crime. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, true. You know, that's, that's the frustrating part. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not, like... Yeah, I, I don't I don't like that he was grouped in with Pierre. Like that's not fair, but mm-hmm. he was in the room not stopping this man from doing what he did. Yeah. Absolutely. Including raping an eighteen year old girl in the corner of the same Ugh, room with everybody, you know. 
Oh yeah, no, it's all horrific, yeah. horrific. And you know, there should be consequences for these actions, absolutely. But the right type of right. like that's the thing. It's wrongfully convicted. It's it's you know that whole frame of mind of like, well, I guess we'll just do the same thing because why not? Like that's, that's not, not how it should be done. His his involvement was different. Therefore, he should have a different outcome. Also, the death penalty on in my belief is is completely. You should. It, no one. No one has the right to tell anyone they deserve to die. So that's like my whole thing. Mm-hmm. I just don't agree with it. Anyways, um, and just the fact that he literally didn't actually like the knife or an eye thing doesn't work for him because he actually didn't kill anybody. He was just there. He was an accomplice. Mm-hmm. Yes, but he didn't actually do it. So he should have. I mean, it all should have been handled differently. Yeah, I think because of the shadow of doubt that can happen for a lot of cases. That yeah, the death penalty is is real rough to believe in completely when there's so many people that get put to death that didn't have anything to do with the actual crime that was committed. Like, yeah. you know, we hear so many stories of, like, he was on death row for eight years and someone found evidence that he had nothing to do with it or, like, vice... Or, like, they got put to death and then the evidence comes out after he's dead that he wasn't there, or, yep. you know, that kind of stuff. Like, oh, yeah. So that that's why the death penalty is really rough. Because on one hand, you're like, they killed those people and he raped a person and they deserve to die. And, like, deserve is uh, subjective, right? Yep. But if... For what about all those cases, all those cases where there is that shadow of a doubt? Mm-hmm. Like, that's really rough. Yeah. Stuff. But we get so mad. I get so mad. I get so it's mad so and I want mad. them to be dead. I, I get want so, I get mad. so mad. Yeah. It's just not fair that um that they were tried and there was nobody, like, you know, it was all white people and racist people and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and if they're, you know, Roberts was also technically an accomplice. He sat in the car, but, like, he's also an accomplice to the getaway. So why was his so much less? If we're going to play that card, then why wasn't it equal for all of them? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and then we've got, th- in theory, we might even have three other people that were also involved that we still, we know nothing about. My, yeah, my, I guess it would, I would have, it would have been better if they did do whatever matched the crime, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if he didn't kill anybody, then he doesn't, he doesn't get convicted of that. He gets convicted of, like, accessory and all that other stuff. Like, you know, I feel like that's, that's not fair. It shouldn't have been, it shouldn't have been like, well, so you murdered. It's like, well, he didn't murder, though. Like, he, he tortured somebody and he, you know... There not there something where, like, if you have intent to murder somebody but you don't, like... I think so. Because even if he says he didn't, like, it's, like, involuntary manslaughter type thing, like, even if he said he didn't know that it was going to kill them, like, he still gave them Drano. Like, yeah. you still did the thing, though. You were still going to yeah. do bodily harm. Right. Yeah. yeah. You had intention. Yeah. There was intent to harm there, yeah, but... but And that's... that's that can change in the moment. He can yeah. want to kill somebody up until the moment he doesn't. <laughs> right, exactly. You know? And, like, it's also what you say versus what you do, right? And so, like, he did, like, in interviews, he does kind of contradict if he had intentions or not intent, if he intended to or not intended to kill or hurt or whatever. He goes back and forth, and so, like, the police kind of used some of the words that he stated as, like, well, but you said this, so that mm-hmm. means you did intend to do that, but he... You know, for the most part, he claimed that he didn't know that the Drano would would do all of that to a person. But I'm like, obviously it will, but okay. I mean, hey, kids are eating Tide Pods, (laughs) so he was just part of that generation before it was cool. There was stuff, God, I can't remember now because it's been so long since the Tide Pod thing was a thing, but there was like, back in the day, there's... Every generation of teens has done some stupid bullshit, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like it's not, like, we all say, like, millennials and the Tide Pods. Yeah. Are so, like, no, back in the day, they were, like, huffing, you know, they've been huffing paint cans for centuries. Like, you know, for as yeah. long as paint cans have been around. Like, there's so many things that people have done, like, and teenagers have done, like, so, 
any adults or, you know, person that's older that's like, Tide Pods, like, we did our own version of that thing. Did <laughs> yeah. you guys ever, there was Every the generation, out. there is a Tide Pod. Yeah, there's <laughs> a Tide Pod. There was a, the Pass Out game when I was younger, oh, yeah. where yep. you'd, like, yep. hold each other's throats until you passed out, yes. and, like, hyperventilate yep. and shit. Like, yeah, every generation has had that stupid bullshit that they do, but I don't think I've ever heard of anyone, drink, you know, drinking Drano. No Drano challenge? Yeah, Drano. no Drano challenge. Drano. Drain no no. Right. Drain no no. No no. <laughs> we went through this. We yeah. Did. <laughs> uh, so that is the hi-fi murders or hi-fi killers. Thanks, Dad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it keeps going. Have you talked about the hi-fi killers yet? Have you talked about the hi-fi murders yet? Thanks, Dad. That's Thanks, Dad. Uh, so now that our coffee is ice cold because we've been sitting here. Well, I guess it's hot because it's hot in this room. Uh, <laughs> ladies, what are your final sips? Final sip is different strokes for different folks in the sense that, like, sentencing is a spectrum. I don't know why I'm making a bunch of weird things, but, like, (laughs) meaning that, like you said, there need to be different penalties for different things based off of what they really should be, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, not... And these guys, I got bored, so, you know, we can just death penalty on that one, too. It's fine. Right. Plus, it's, like, expensive to put someone on death row. So, don't do that to the taxpayers. Uh, yeah, you make a lot of money off of death row inmates. Hmm. I wonder if judges at the time were, like, given handouts for oh, death row. Yeah. At the time? Honey. <laughs> or, honey. Honey. Right. Honey. You're right. Honey. You're right. Honey, there's certain states right now. <laughs> Some suspicious judges. Uh, Ooh, suspicious judges is a great band name. Band name, name. <laughs> name. added to the list. My final sip is uh, just don't don't be a person of color in Utah. Mm. <laughs> it's hard to be one. Don't mm. do it. Don't do it. Um, don't. Just avoid Utah. Just avoid, no, I mean, Utah's <laughs> gorgeous. Utah's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. You're right. There's really You're good right. hiking. There's lovely people there. Absolutely. Um, my dad's there. Yeah, my dad. Um, but yeah, I just, I think, uh, yeah, just, I don't know. If you're gonna, just thank goodness for cell phones where you can text somebody. Yeah. Um, because back in the, I'm realizing more and more, like, back in the day, like, they just have to, you just have to show up and be like, what happened here? Yeah. And then the, whoever's murdering someone in that place has to be like, oh, shit, another person to murder. Come yeah. with, come inside now. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. then you can just text somebody if they don't respond and be like, cool, I'm calling the cops now. <laughs> yeah, they had no chance to call for help at all. Because it all happened so fast and they're in the basement. Like, there's no way. And they're, like, tied. They're, a lot of their arms were tied was this together. just so they could rob the place? That was the, yeah, it was so they could rob the hi-fi shop. And... Obviously, and also make kill. them drink Drano because they had it with they them. They had the Drano because they watched the, the scene from the movie. So their intention was, was to, to do something to somebody at the hi fi shop. Yeah. See if this Drano was. You know what? I, I changed my final sip. Get a fucking hobby. Go paint something. <laughs> or like, go, like, become a dancer. Or like, take up a musical instrument. Or like, learn how to do. Take, pick up a hobby. Don't rob something just to do it like mm-hmm. dumbass just do mm-hmm. something else like there's all sorts knit 
do needlepoint. Make a podcast Make about a podcast. it. Yeah, Jesus. Like, it's just, fuck, I, like, there's other shit to do other than things that take away the rights of other, rights in the life of other people. Like, Someone, sorry. Yeah. Can someone write a podcast that's like, if I was going to do a heist of this place, like each episode is like, if I was <laughs> going to do a heist at the Bellagio vault, that's this oh is how I would do Shout it. Shout out to uh, uh, Stink, Stinky and Bunny, because uh, they asked me that question. They asked our group, what, oh, in a guys. heist, what would you steal? And so we all had to pick something that we'd steal in a that's heist. That's so funny. I love those guys. Yeah, they're um, great. Didn't, didn't O.J. Simpson write, if I did it? Didn't yes, he, he write did. the book? He sure did. But <laughs> wasn't it, it wrote, if I did it. But wasn't it, there's like something on the book where it's, oh, oh, the word if is like, tiny. Oh, is it? And then it's like, if. Yeah. And then I it just says, I did it. Yeah, and it's like, so what would have happened changed. if he went through I don't and think it was just him. But anyways, that's another episode. Right. Nope. Yeah, we're gonna get yeah, that episode. Another one. So my final sip is this. My mini tangent. So I am, and always will be, a person who super disagrees with the death penalty. It does not bring anyone back, and it still leaves the victim's families in pain and suffering for their loss, and no one, no one has the right to say who should live and who should die. It is not your body. It should not be your place to decide. It is only a disguise for more murder, calling it justice. And 4% of people on death row are innocent. Ugh. So roughly, like every 10 people executed, one has been exonerated. Hopefully, because they're actually innocent. There are some incredible organizations out there that fight to help people who have been wrongfully convicted and sentenced to death, like the Innocence Project and EJI. I encourage folks to check them out. I have linked some of those uh, places in our show notes. Nice. Yeah. EJI, great. Uh, if you ever see the movie um, Just Mercy, that is about the creation of EJI. And, like, oh. one of the people that um, the main lawyer saves from death row because he's innocent. Damn. Yeah. <sighs> well, lovely. Shall we top up our coffees, ladies? Yeah, yes. that's heavy. a whole other pot. So many pots of coffee. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Morning Murders. And the murder is in the morning. Murders of 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 yeah. Have a murder you like to talk about over coffee? We would love to hear about it. Email us at morningmurders at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Morning Murders. In today's show notes, you can find our cited research as well as a few of our favorite mental health resources. What do we call our fans? Because there's, what, murderinos for other things? Oh, yeah. We call them mourners. Ooh. Mourners, probably. Or ca- mourners? caffeine. Ca- caffeine. Coffee. Killers. No. Coffee beans. What's up, beans? beans. <laughs> call them beans. I like beans. Yeah. Mourner beans. beans. It makes me think of that, the bean cartoon. Water. What is it? Uh, Disenchantment. Her name's Bean. Oh, beans. beans. I thought of California Raisins for some terrible reason. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's because I thought of like coffee beans. I just think of Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean. What's up, Mr. Beans? Mr. Beans. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) All right, well. You, we'll give that to you listeners. Listeners out there, think about it. Yeah, we're going to have to like put a poll or something you? on our social media. <laughs> what do you, you, you want to be called? What would you like to be called? Beans. Oh, these beans? Oh, these Oh, these beans? Oh, these beans? All right. Okay, so. <laughs> these three beans. I'm sorry, I had to get it out. 
I had to get it out. <laughs> <laughs> the morning murder. Hey. Oh no. Oh dear. Rewriting songs. All right. I want a professional. <laughs> I mean, oh, if you're gonna do it, you gotta have a professional. Swear to God, yeah. you don't get some random person to change the oil in your car. You take it to Ted Weens. <laughs> Hell yeah! You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, this person's a fucking professional. It's true. Ted Weens is great. They fix my horrible sound in my car for free. See, when I cut open the bottom oh, of my yeah. car on your property, they were like, "We'll fix that." Professionals. Professionals. They're fixing our road. Ted Weens. Wow. No, Ted Weens. <laughs> Sex workers are fixing your road. <laughs> Gonna make sure ghosts are real. We're real. Ghosts are real. Wait, what? Wait, you wait. heard it. I got it on tape. She said it. I got it on I tape. Brenna said ghosts here. are real. Brenna said ghosts are real. Yeah, I have it on here too. Oh, oh. I can say a lot of stuff. Uh, I am the Zodiac killer. Um, I knew it. I fucking <laughs> knew it. I've never seen fucking Brenna and the Zodiac killer in the, in the same, same place. Was it the wind or was it donkeys? Yeah. You never know. <laughs> yeah, right? Alright. Sports so cross. And everyone would be like, do do do, also tease. 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 Today's. It just Today's. And suddenly, like, we're all just naked. <laughs> Ready? Red day. Yes. Red day. Red day. All right. On. April 22nd, 1974, things... <laughs> Sorry. Murder! So, I was like, oh, stop it! Please, start it over. Make <laughs> sure you can see that spike easily on the... I'm so sorry, Nikki. That was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> okay. Like on... a scan? <laughs> That's so scary. Okay. 